1: Hello and welcome to Your Book, the podcast for literary nosy parkers. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan, and the author of Insatiable, A Love Story for Greedy Girls. If you'd like a signed copy, you can order one from the Margate Bookshop. They deliver nationwide. Before we start our next series in earnest, we're back with a very special episode with Tilly Fitzgerald, one of the winners of the Books to Nourish auction. If you enjoy this episode and you're able to make a donation to the Fair Share charity, we would really appreciate it. We visited Tilly beside her actual bookshelves and we talked about her love of Australian authors, our shared excitement for Marion Key's upcoming Rachel sequel and what makes reading truly addictive. Enjoy. So, Tilly, I'd love to start by talking to you about your relationship with reading. And is reading something that's always been in your life? Or have there been different periods of intense reading and picking it up and
2: coming back to you, I'm sure. um, It has definitely always been in my life, um, but it has become very intense over the last couple of years. Um, not for the reason you might expect. Um, so, I think whilst I was on maternity leave, because my daughter would only sleep whilst being driven around or walked around... I then discovered your podcast. Um, and from there, I started writing down pretty much every single recommendation that you or one of the authors provided. And I just started reading like a madwoman, Um, a book a day, pretty much now, uh, depending on the weather or what else I'm doing, I suppose. But Generally speaking, the last few years have definitely been an intense period of reading. (laughs) I'm so
1: impressed and in awe and um, envious of a book a day. Um, That's really, really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I know you said that the selection we're looking at here, which is amazing and in the loveliest way possible. Well-stocked waterstones, practically. Partly because I think you really look after your books um, in a way that puts me to shame. (laughs) Let's imagine it's sort of a wintry, you know, it's that sort of chilly November day. Christmas feels a bit far away, but the temperature's dropped and it's a bit grey. And you've got an afternoon and you're looking at the shelf. What do you think you're going to reach for? So they're a real comfort look.
2: They're all comfort. I don't know about comfort, but there are three there, which... Everybody else has been going on and on about so much that I keep thinking I really need to hurry up and read them. Um, So I think I'd either go Hamnet, for obvious reasons. Um, Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers seems to be an absolute favourite for everybody. And I'm also really curious about The Weeknd by Charlotte Wood, because I quite like reading about slightly older characters lately. So... I'm really curious about that one. Oh. Plus, I just love WM Books, everything they do, basically. <laughs> they
1: have always a brilliant list, oh, haven't they? they? May um, I get
2: down the weekend? Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I've not heard crazy. about this book. Oh, yeah. So it sounds, I think it's um, for kind of older friends who go away for a weekend. And it just, no, just sounded quite intriguing.
1: Sylvie, Jude, Wendy, and Adele have a lifelong friendship of the best kind loving, practical, frank, and steadfast. But when Sylvie dies, the ground shifts dangerously for the remaining three. These women couldn't be more, couldn't be more different. Jude, a once famous restaurateur with a spotless life and a long standing affair with a married man, Wendy, an acclaimed feminist intellectual, Adele, a former star, star of the stage, now practically homeless. Stop the podcast. I'm, <laughs> let's get just read in. this. This sounds brilliant. And it does remind, the idea It reminds me of a grown up mature version of um, Expectation by Anna
2: Hope. Which I think is also on this shelf somewhere. (laughs) And another one of those that everybody talks about and I need to hurry up and catch up.
1: And she's um, an Australian writer
2: and I often think, I do not know nearly enough Australian writers. So that, for me, I don't even need to hear anything else about a book if I know that it's set in Australia. Because it takes me back to having lived over there, I will instantly pick a book up regardless of the genre or the writer. When did you Um, live in Australia? Oh gosh, probably, I think it was over 10 years ago now. So four years traveling around, kind of flying between different cities all the time. It was really exciting. Like it was long old weeks and long old days. This idea that Australians are really laid back is absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear, but it's completely. You can okay, okay, that's complete bull. And <laughs> um, we used to be doing the longest days I've ever worked. I think over there. So, but it's worth it for the lifestyle. Um, so yeah anytime I can just pick up a book that takes me back there I'm pretty much in my happy place.
1: I love the idea that you're bringing so much to the reading that mm-hmm. you know I'm sure any writer will really evoke Australia and I know, mm. I've never been I'd love to go but <laughs> yeah. but that you're really adding something else and maybe getting something else from it because of
2: those memories. Yeah definitely I think any anytime I read a book and even if it's um, even if it's that it's set in Brighton and I just happen to know Brighton quite well it just means that little bit more and um, because you kind of recognise the places the people um, just the, the kind of atmosphere that you get there don't you oh I just
1: read a book set in Brighton the story is about mm-hmm. a teenage football prodigy who okay. has I think it's cardiac arrhythmia sort of ending his career and there's a love triangle but it's written you could really tell that the author no, and I know that she lives in Brighton and she really is, you know, walking down the streets with her. And I yeah. don't know Brighton that well, but enough to really feel it. and that it how sent- to save a life? Yes, it is how yeah. to save a life. I
2: thought so. Yes, brilliant book. Absolutely loved that. Um, again, yeah, because I could imagine them all when it said on the lawns and all that kind of thing i was like oh just like i used to do when i was young and fun so. <laughs> and i love the
1: medical detail i was really surprised by how fascinating i found mm. that as someone with no medical expertise whatsoever no
2: but it, I feel like I could potentially now save someone who was having a heart attack, whereas before I would have been like, "No, not a clue." God, call for help. It's <laughs> really rare,
1: isn't it, that a book, that, a contemporary fiction, that's mm-hmm. really you know pacey and yeah. you know beautiful to read and fun to read, also has that like Friends good too, yeah. message. And, yeah. But I think lots of people did come away and feel that um, they could actually do
2: something or know what to do yeah. if that arose. Definitely, no, I think I, that's what I love about books is that. Even though it is a bit of fun and it's escapism, quite often there is a lot more to it that you take away and it kind of teaches you something new as well. Now,
1: I feel very embarrassed to admit this, but I must say it. Okay. <laughs> I've not read Hamnet
2: and Oh really? Oh phew, I'm, I'm not, not the, the last, last person then.
1: <laughs> only person in the world. He hasn't. And in a way there's a bit of, Well, lots of people have read it. <laughs> they know. It doesn't mean any more love. <laughs> and I do think sometimes I find those big books quite daunting mm-hmm. do you get excited about them i get the impression that you are someone who reads widely and you're up for
2: challenging yourself um yes i sometimes prize winners um i will be put off because the only type of book which i personally struggle with um and it says more about myself than the book are the really what i'm going to call clever <laughs> books where there's something going on underneath that you have to try and work out as the reader um and if i have to try too hard i start feeling a bit daft and i give up so sometimes prize winners can kind of make me a bit nervous in that sense i've had a few i've picked up and had to say nope too clever put it back down and but i think from what i understand hamlet won't kind of be too intimidating in that sense so Fingers crossed. <laughs>
1: no, so maybe I'll make myself read Hamlet and then I'll read The Weekend as a treat. I yes. think mm-hmm. so you've got um, Duck's Newburyport, which yes, I never would have read that if I wasn't tasked with having to read all
2: of the books on that year's uh, book a shortlist for work. Okay. Did, have you had a go yet? No. Um, so that one, I think, was a recommendation from Nina Stibby um on social media and I thought well I love her so I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna take her word I didn't realize the size of it when I ordered it so um because I have so many to review it has kind of just sat there looking at me a friend of mine is reading it and she's doing it in monthly chunks so she has literally set aside a few chapters each month and she's going to do it over a year which I think is probably the smart way to do it but I kind of tend to be a one book at a time and devour the whole thing in one go type of person. So focused Because
1: yeah. I, th- I was so, so frightened of it that I used to just set um, a timer on my phone mm. and be like, I'm just going in for an hour. Yeah. And I think it took two goes and then I was hooked and I just remember being at the okay. gym and thinking about it because it's so dense mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd possibly remember any detail of it or feel as though there was a plot and something moving but <laughs> suddenly I realized that I missed the narrator oh, wow. and she was really living in my head and it's funnier than you think it's going to be. If thing makes me laugh a little bit I'm always
2: quite well disposed towards it. <laughs> love something that makes me laugh although i also i kind of prefer things that make me cry and um, i'm a bit of a sadist when it comes to reading and if a book makes me sob my heart out then it quickly becomes a favorite and i'm literally forcing it on everybody else with no consideration for the fact that they might not want to cry <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the books that make you weep The books that make me weep i mean there's the obvious which everybody says um which is a little life um So that is another similarly sized book. But I think I read that one in two days because I was just so invested in those characters.
1: And is that a book that you picked up over the last year or so? Um,
2: Yes, it was kind of one of the earlier ones that I started when I started reviewing. um, Just because it seemed to be one of those cult favourites that everybody was going on about. And I thought, okay, I need to get on board. Um, And it was every bit as emotional and heartbreaking as everybody said and as soon as I sobbed the first tier, I went yep five stars that's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so when you are reviewing mm-hmm. have your tastes changed over that time do you feel like you notice different things in books more or is it just a case of how you are transported and how they make you feel as a reader
2: um I my tastes have changed hugely Um so when I was younger my mum pretty much only read kind of James Patterson and sort of Lee Child and kind of you know your similar crime thrillers, so that was what I grew up on um whereas now I do read thrillers but I prefer debut thrillers generally um because they kind of seem to be a bit more original maybe than the more established writers um but I now I just I'm reading so much kind of more diversely um so many authors I would never have discovered if I hadn't joined social media. So many novels which are set in completely different countries, different cultures, which I knew nothing about. Um, and they're quite often my favourites because that's the whole reason for reading is that you get to learn about other people and how they view the world, I think. So, um, yeah.
1: I've just seen a book that I love
2: so much, The Girl with the Louding
1: Voice by Abby Darre, And I think that was, is it between the covers? The um, Sarah Cox... Book club show and David Badil was talking about it and he was saying that the way it's sort of phrased on the cover and you know the Guardian saying you know this is a very important book about you know what life is like and in, in other places and you know life is sort of women mm-hmm. in Africa and it just it made it sound like it's going to be quite dreary and quite earnest and he's like this is just so lively and funny and joyous and yeah. why have they not put any of that on the cover why casa? are they not saying that and yeah. i agree completely i was trying very very hard i was horrified and very aware of how i was really only reading books written by white women not mm-hmm. in any kind of deliberate choice but more, that was sort of the books that i liked the stand because of the way publishing works and because yeah. of the way the world works that mm-hmm. was in my what was in my eye, and i thought i really must make an effort to change this yeah. and and i was trying to and still am trying to read much more diversely. Yep. And that was one of my standout books of the last year, I think. Okay. I was really surprised as well at how I just galloped my way through it. And okay. How the pace and the momentum of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she's called Adani, the heroine. And I've not loved anyone I've met in a book more. And I know now they're such a... Craze or this idea that like oh unlikable women that's what we want. I'm like, no, <laughs> I want, if I'm hanging out with someone for a whole book, I want to like them. And yeah. I've never loved anyone like I've loved dinny in that okay. book.
2: Okay. Oh, now you've made me want to pick that one up next. I kind of have a bit of free time at the moment, so I might be tempted. But I know what you mean about a lot of people do just market them as being very important mm-hmm. and, you know, you need to kind of understand. But they are still also really good fun. Um, have you read His Only Wife at all? No, is that here? And that is oh. upstairs on the I Have Read Them bookshelf. <laughs> there is one of those, luckily. Um, but, yeah, again, it just had me in absolute stitches. It It does teach you about a different culture, but it is also just... Brilliantly written and engaging and hilarious. So I just think people who don't kind of read diversely, and as you say, that's because of the way things are marketed and how it's quite often been, but they're just missing out on so much. Sure. Well, on that note, shall we go to the other shelves? Yes, let's go see some which have actually
1: been read. <laughs> Tilly has taken up to this beautiful space with a huge... You've got that a picture window? Overlooking this gorgeous sort of floral garden and... <laughs> Shelves lined with books. I'm really, really jealous. I might just barricade myself in here. (laughs) I live here now. I haven't
2: seen my husband in months, to be quite honest. He's downstairs and I'm here with my books.
1: (laughs) I spy a proof of a book I love very much. Everyone is Still Alive by (gasps) Pell the Podcast, (gasps) Kathy Rensenbrink. Yes,
2: I finished that one yesterday, so I sat there waiting to review it. But, oh, my goodness. I just I absolutely loved it. I I loved Dear Reader. I just think she gets people. She kind of just understands... Um, feelings and relationships and that book just yeah absolutely loved it in a world where every book seems
1: quite noisy and there are lots of really mm-hmm. high concept dramatic things i was yeah. so delighted to read a book that is this a study of humans yes exactly
2: I, I couldn't agree more and i think that's what she just i don't think there's anybody who necessarily does that better so um i just i was so glad that i loved her debut because i was such a fan of dear reader and i thought oh so much pressure but just every bit is brilliant because I can't remember the name of the little boy in the story. It's a little while since I
1: read it, but it's not often that I read a, like sometimes I think children in books. Mm-hmm. They're quite hard to other than the um, the Cazalets, which it's sort of obligatory that I have to mention the Kazalet Chronicles <laughs> at some point. And great. I think those are my favourite children in books because there are <laughs> so there's such a gang of them. But yeah. um, the way she writes about a family and those mm-hmm. dynamics, I don't think. Any contemporary writer. I'm going to say this and be like, oh no, I think of lots of contemporary writers, but I was really <laughs> moved by the way she wrote those characters. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go.
2: Okay, so the one on my left is my proof shelf, which I need to hurry up and read. I'm a few months behind, as you can see. Um, but these are, so these are all all books that are all read. of those are definitely read.
1: Um, well, I'm delighted to see uh, Rachel's holiday and I'm excited about the sequel. The next
2: one. yes. Yeah, so I went to their um, their launch event, was it last week or the week before? Um, and it was the soggiest Yoga Class, um, right by the London Bridge. Um, and I had no idea it was for Marion Keys before I signed up to it. And obviously, as soon as they got the T-shirts out, it was just the excitement you could feel in the crowd. Oh, wow. She's just such... Oh, she's just an absolute star, isn't she? Like, she doesn't write anything bad that doesn't make you laugh, cry and just want to pick it up and read it again as soon as you're finished basically so
1: yeah it's really interesting as all i think that idea of the character who is so loved because that book is so sort of mm-hmm. character-led and revisiting her and how rachel has grown up in all of our minds since and yeah. how she will are there any other books where you would love a sequel you'd love oh that character goodness. to turn up again
2: um they so many um gosh that's really tough because i most books as long as the, as you say as long as it's a likable character and um, then i would love to revisit so many of them Um i think one of the ones and it was a really i don't know if you've read it but it was such a heartbreaking bit book but i told you that that basically instantly puts it as one of my favorites Um, boys don't cry oh, and there's marion on the cover uh, yes exactly so if it's got praise from marion um and it's... Oh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's this absolutely heartbreaking story about two young brothers. Um, Pretty much had me crying from beginning to end. And it's a debut as well. And I just couldn't believe that it was a debut because it was just incredibly written. And she just absolutely smashed it. But I'd love... Because it was quite a sad story, I guess I'd love to see how the the character has kind of doing ten years mm-hmm. later and hope that things right, have, you then, know, turned around oh, for right. them, I suppose. It's a really beautiful cover. I've not heard about know, that it? book, oh, but I must look up for is. it. I mean, I don't know if you like to cry whilst you read like I do, but if you do, then I highly recommend that one. It's gorgeous. i
1: trying to think of the last book that really made me cry. It's... Because mm-hmm. um, I love the Tales of the City books. And the last one, uh, I think, is last days of Anna Madrigal or the mm-hmm. something days of Anna Madrigal anyway Anna Madrigal who got to know and love over the course of eight books I think it's fairly obvious what happened, happened? I and mean, it shouldn't be a surprise but it was I just remember suddenly looking and um and happy all the time by Laurie Coleman which I read quite early in mm-hmm. the pandemic I finished it in about a day and I just cried because it was over oh. and because I wanted to stay with these people
2: <laughs> do you reread
1: I do okay Which is, that's possibly why I'm looking, that's why I haven't read all these books. I've just been (laughs) rereading
2: Rachel's holiday. Yeah, you see, I don't reread purely because I have so many to review. But there is one, um, which is Sarah Winman's Still Life. And I know I will read that a hundred times again. That is possibly my favourite book ever ever. do the emotions of reading it get more intense when oh, you know what's coming in the book i don't know that's it i haven't reread it yet because i only read it a few months ago but i just as soon as i put it down i wanted to literally pick it back up and get straight into it again i found um again similar to kind of Kath brick i um i just think that she shows that side of humanity and she just absolutely gets people and the feelings involved and and the, the simple relationships it's mm. again not masses of fanfare but it's just the relationships between those characters I just can't imagine anybody doing it better I really can't because I don't think I've read that I loved I've really loved *The Tin Man that yes, which I went and bought as soon as I finished Still Life because I thought I need to read everything she has ever done but obviously I still have not gotten around to it yet
1: oh but what a lovely thing to fall in love with a the writer there's, there's a back
2: catalogue yes. I can rush to best feeling yes the same with them um, I think it's John Boyne who I read The Heart's Invisible mm-hmm. Furies last year and just was absolutely blown away with it and kind of read his more recent ones and then I decided actually I'm just going to buy everything he's ever done because I just love and and he's a chameleon as well you know some writers obviously they kind Mm. of stick to a similar type of pattern but he he doesn't seem to at all so one of them was kind of historical fiction that then went into the future almost his most recent one um I think he's done kind of a satire about social media is his latest so they're all just so different and I love that that you can still oh is that the echo chamber is that yes cool? yes oh I love the cover uh, I know it's brilliant yes. with the turtle but yeah I love that you can kind of know that you trust the writer but still get mm. something different every time so kind of chameleons like that I yeah oh, and the, the confidence of it as well and the, the impression it gives of a writer who he likes writing. He yes. likes telling all kinds of stories. Exactly, yes, that they're still finding pleasure in it, as opposed to the ones where there might be a new book coming out every three mm. months, but it's very similar to kind of the last one, and are oh, they still taking any pleasure in it? Whereas when you get something different every time like this, you know that they obviously must be.
1: Oh, that is wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a proof of normal people somewhere, oh, yes. and I was wondering... How are you feeling? About have you read um... oh, I have not. I that is the one proof which I could not get my hands on for love nor money and I'm devastated because I absolutely love normal people. Um so, yeah, I have pre ordered it, and I think usually the ones that I buy I never actually get around to reading, but I think obviously I will make an exception for that. Have you read it yet?
1: I have, and okay. I don't want to give anything away, no, no. but you know, she's a beautiful writer, but such an economical writer, I think, which is very underrated.
2: It is, I, part of it. So many of the books that I've loved I've passed on to my aunt, who's the only other real reader in my family, and when I kind of ask her a few days later, oh, how are you getting on with it? that's just too much it's just too overwritten there's so many words that aren't needed i'm kind of like oh okay there's nothing worse than when you recommend a book to Mm. someone and they just go no no not for me at all which book do you think you recommend to people the most the most oh my gosh um so anybody who does follow me on social media will probably say betty by tiffany mcdaniel because i just absolutely that was my favorite last year and I wouldn't shut up about it. Um, oh,
1: I don't know that book at all. Oh my Tell goodness. Me about it. um, so it's. You need to sell it hard. It's, it's,
2: it's kind of. It is fiction, but it's based on her um, mother kind of growing up. Um, and she was born to a Cherokee father and white mother. Um, and this was kind of 1950s America. So obviously, as you can imagine, they still weren't accept, especially accepting. It's devastating. There's this family of children the relationship with her father is incredible and because he's kind of got that Cherokee background it's just so wise it's one of those everything he says you kind of think oh I need to write that down I need to make a note of that because it's just magic um whereas the the relationship with her mother is kind of the total opposite and quite cold and it's almost as if the mother kind of resents the children for for being stuck in that marriage but um i just again it's another one which just had me crying you know all these kids Oh, it's quite um it's quite gut wrenching, and people have said to me, you really need to start doing trigger warnings on this one before you go shouting about it to everybody, which is so true because I never think about that. I'm always worried about doing spoilers, but it is true, obviously that some people might find it quite upsetting, but I just thought it was beautiful, I just loved every second of it um and yeah, I just it's probably I think a lot of people have said to me that they have bought it since I am um, kind of raped about it so I think that probably is my most recommended one but still life is now inching in that ah. way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just having a, a look yeah, you no, mentioned no. about um reading sort of more contemporary thrillers and thrillers mm-hmm. by debuts yes. uh, are there any
2: of those that you've read over the last few months that have really lapped out? Yes I definitely mean. um so I mean I have to say actually there's an imprint which just everything that I've read by them over the last few months has just blown me away which is viper books um and i don't know if you've heard of or read the appeal by janice hallett oh
1: i think i've heard of
2: um yeah so i think it's water Zones book of the month at the moment i think which might be by but it's um it's just so original it's unlike anything i've ever read before um so it's almost as if you are part of the investigation and it's done a lot of it's done through like emails post-its text messages it's all it's unlike anything I've read before, but as somebody who generally is asleep by 9pm, this is the one and only book in my whole life, which I have stayed up until 1am because I had to oh, finish wow. it there and then. So that's, that's about as high a card praise card. as you get. <laughs> um, but also another one from Viper Books, which just blew me away this year, was The Last House on Needless Street. Oh, i heard about that. It is the weirdest, craziest, most unexpected Book that I've probably ever read, quite possibly, but it's just brilliant. I was just, I kind of, you know, when you finish something and you think, I think that person might just be a bit of a genius, like it just completely and utterly blew me away. It was kind of billed as horror, so I was a little bit nervous because mm. that's probably not a genre I tend to read that much, but I didn't find it too creepy in that way. But oh, I so, just what thought...
1: made you think,
2: oh no, I'm gonna. I I think it was the fact everybody was raving about it, including even, I think, Stephen King. So I just kind of thought, and it it wasn't a debut, but I think it was possibly a debut with adult writing. I think she might have been writing um, for kind of younger adults before that. And I just, for me, I always want to kind of push myself to read outside of what I'm kind of my comfort zone. And I thought, well, if everybody else is loving it. And I just kind of wanted, because there was quite a big social media campaign about it, And I won't give too much away, but there's this whole thing about a cat and how one of the characters might be a cat. Um, And I kind of, I just, I had to know, basically, I think. It was the curiosity that that got me in the end. But yeah, it's just brilliant. Out of this world, um, if you are up for reading something a bit different, that will leave you a bit like, what?
1: Yeah, (laughs) because I think I was like, oh, horror, no. I don't like being scared. I like to laugh. (laughs) It's pretty much it. But now, you know, my curiosity is... Definitely. Definitely worth it if you can. Um, if you can brave it, hide behind okay. a pillow for the scary bits. <laughs> and just have you know something like the Pursuit of Love sort of on one side. If I need to kind of yeah, breathe, exactly. Go
2: for some comfort on that side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: We'll be back to Tilly soon. Now it's time for my Steal of the Week. This week I've chosen the Fran Leibovitz Reader, published by Virago. This is a collection of Leibovitz journalism. Witchy, waspish and deliciously cutting, she tackles the big subjects like art balls, wellness, irony failure and the hell of living in a big city and trying to find accommodation where the bathroom isn't in the kitchen. The Fran Leibovitz Reader is published by Virago and out now. Now back to Tilly. Do you ever read funny books, or do you like?
2: Yes, mostly
1: um, sad books.
2: I I do. I read funny books, and I enjoy funny books. Um, and certainly, like sometimes, like last week was a bit of a tough week, and I was reading. What was I reading last week that just cheered me up no ends? Um, was Abigail Mann's latest. Uh, it was the sister surprise. In a dark week, I just was laughing every other page. Um, it's kind of about this this young woman who is being filmed as she does, you know, those DNA tests mm. where you can find out your kind of family heritage mm. and stuff. And she finds out that she actually has a, a half-sister um, up in Scotland somewhere. So she, because she's on TV, her producers then want to film her going and meeting mm. the sister and it's just her up in this tiny remote village trying to kind of pretend she's a farmhand for a while and it's just, it's just full of joy it's just one of those really like you're just smiling the whole time the, the jokes kind of, the sense of humour was very much the type of sense of humour that gets me so I just, yeah, I loved it so I do like funny books Um, That sounds great and
1: slightly sort of Sophie Kinsella esque. It's a Shopaholic book I love where her long lost sister turns up and is sort of horrified by Becky's. Yeah, exactly.
2: Becky's ways. (laughs) Kind of writing. Yeah, and I love Sophie Kinsella. Um, Jill Mansell Mm. is just an absolute favourite. So yeah, I definitely do like kind of upbeat books as well, but I tend to do a few of those between a lot of sad books. I'm still, Mansell
1: as well There is something I suppose I feel almost as though I'm in the audience of a brilliant magic show waiting to be picked and we're like I just I'm so so willing to suspend my disbelief for her and I yes. want to live in the Cotswolds where it's oh just yes. there's a charming village pub and the rock stars mm-hmm. moving in and it's all
2: yeah. you know a, a happy happy place to be. That's it it's just absolute escapism and you know and you know you're in safe hands, obviously. Every time it's a it's a different setting and it's different characters, but you know that you're going to be satisfied by the end and that yes. you're going to kind of leave with that nice Ready brick glow, don't you? So I just, yeah, I keep going back to her. And she's also one that if a friend is going through a bit of a rough patch, I'll say, read this and, you know, turn it all around. <laughs> a Ready brick glow that is perfectly put. Uh, yes. I'm not advertising Ready Brek obviously, but... <laughs> I know, other
1: milled oat cereals are available. (laughs) (laughs) When lockdown started, Mm -hmm. did you find that you were reading as much as ever? Were you reading more or reading less or finding that you craved something different or
2: more dramatic or more like the way things were? Um, So the first lockdown, I I went through that mad exercising lots phase that I think a few people did. Um, and so I wasn't reading anywhere near as much because I was just outdoors for my allotted time as much as physically (laughs) possible Um, but then the second lockdown came round and it was the polar opposite and I lost all my energy and all I wanted to do was read so I would literally wake up at 5am and because I have to worry about not waking up a small child I will just lay there reading for two hours um, and then as soon as she's gone to, hopefully, a grandmother's <laughs> nursery, then pick up a book again. Um, and pretty much every spare second I had, I stopped watching TV, which obviously kind of just really helped with the volume of books I could get through. Um, and I think with regards to the type of books I was reading, I just wanted ones where I would be completely engrossed in it. Um, so obviously... I occasionally get sent non-fiction mm. um, and I do enjoy it but I tend to just do like a chapter a day, It I, I never get it's fully never got into that same it propulsive pull. exactly, so I just want a book where I, as soon as I open it I think oh well I'm stuck here for five hours now because oh. there's no way I'm putting this down, so um, yeah I think with lockdown and everything you just want to be able to fully and utterly escape don't you, so um, that's not to say I haven't read a few books which have kind of made reference to pandemics and Mm. things um because I think at the peak of it all I think it was at the plague
1: by Camus was like suddenly shooting up the bestseller charts after 40 or 50 years (laughs) 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 Everyone wanted to read about an old pandemic which baffled me but Mm -hmm.
2: if it if it works for you I think it's very much a kind of marmite situation you either kind of love reading about similar situations like pandemics or you'll just no avoid avoid anything to do with it um because I think it's last one at the party I don't know if you've read that
0: oh I've um, heard
2: about that I think I yes remember. and well pretty much is what it says on the tin um so yeah she's literally kind of seems to be the last person on earth after a pandemic wipes everyone out so it is quite I did find it a little bit like close to home in the Mm. sense of oh could it really ever get that far and you just start getting a bit anxious but um, I think it's distances itself enough to kind of not feel like it and maybe now because I think at the
1: time I was like oh I'm not quite sure I can put myself there but maybe maybe in time but that was why I loved um the cazalets and that was uh, people kept saying oh you must have read it and it's such a sort of cuz I love a kind of Nancy Mitfordy mm-hmm. you know mid century 30s you know girls people being posh but poor <laughs> um and everyone thought how how can you not have read these books like they've got your name and they've got Elizabeth Jane Howard's name on but <laughs> and they were just so perfect for that period because it was the sort of sense of of dread and anxiety and the first one's so great because it's the I think it's the year before the second world war breaks out Mm -hmm. but they're just holding their breaths waiting for a war that never comes and it was so like what we were going through I think where we were sort of held in place feeling like we were waiting for something and all we could Mm -hmm. do was stay home but I think because the second world war did end (laughs) I found that I was able to (laughs) get through (laughs) Do you have a, a favourite historical period or do you prefer contemporary um, books or is it just all about the story?
2: No, it's all about the story to be quite honest. I absolutely love historical fiction. Um and even kind of your Greek mythology this year as well, I've gotten really into. Oh. But I don't I certainly don't have a particular period of time that I think, Oh, I've got to read everything that's set in that time. In fact I'd rather every kind of historical fiction novel I read be somewhere different or a different mm. time because I'm, I want to learn something new every time. I, do, I was just um, looking at Ariadne in a bookshop oh, which I've not read yet. Have you read that? That's the one which has kicked off my um, bit of ah. an obsession with the kind of mythology. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've got it down here. I just... It's the first time my husband can try and explain kind of the the Greek mythology and everything to me and it just goes in one ear and out the other. Whereas by the time I finished this, I felt like I could actually sit you down and write an essay about it. I can't anymore because it's been a few months since I've read it and (laughs) it has gone out of one ear. (laughs) But it's just brilliant. And I love all these retellings from the female perspective Mm. as well because obviously it's so it's been so overlooked for so long. Um, And it's just lovely that they're finally being kind of given a voice, I suppose.
1: It really does feel like an exciting time for that. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's, you know, because I know so shamelessly little about that period. And again, it's that sort of to like how much knowledge do I have to go in with? But now I feel if I could learn something.
2: I'm I'm going to go for it. yeah, that always gets another... That's another one that gets five stars from me, is if I feel like I've gone away and I've learnt something while still being really interested and engrossed, as opposed to the way you learn something at school, then that's a five-star hit for me.
1: (laughs) So I think we've mentioned a few, but are there any authors where, you know, if they suddenly announced they had a book out, you know, at midnight tonight, Mm -hmm. you'd be, like, in the car, on your way to the bookshop... (sighs) Standing outside and queuing.
2: I mean, I think I've probably mentioned most of them already. Um, So Jill Mansell is 100% just love her and have read everything she has ever done, which I can't say, even with a lot of my other favourites, I can't necessarily Mm. say I have read everything they've ever done. Who else? I only just read uh, Emily Henry, who I hadn't read before. Um, Again, kind of a very similar, uplifting, um, beachy kind of read. And yes, Catherine Heine as well, actually. After, oh. after Early Morning Riser, I bought Standard Deviation, which I need to read, but I think I can safely say that I will probably just buy everything that she ever does. Oh, and Ruth Hogan. I absolutely love Ruth Hogan. I just, again, most of the books are set in Brighton, which obviously helps, but she also is one of those who just writes the most. The kind of characters where you wish everybody in the world was actually that good and mm. that kind and that funny. Um, and she just, yeah, and it, anything she does, again, gives you that mix of crying slash, oh, my God, I'm so happy and I wish the world looked like her world. <laughs> so those are a few oh. of my go-tos. Well, that
1: sounds like a book we could both love. You can have a good weep, if I can be... Yes,
2: and you can be uplifted.
1: <laughs> I've just seen Eleanor um, Oliphant. I remember when that came out and that being a book that it took me so long to get to because it just felt like it was all anyone ever talked about and I felt a bit a bit like um with the Thursday Magic Club where I'm like I just every it was all anyone can tell me to read and I'm you know I'm kind of over it and I felt quite rebellious about it and then (laughs) read it was like okay they all have a point every single person has a point this is just (laughs) wonderful and I think it's the world of sort of contemporary fiction, mm-hmm. I guess, and you know, published contemporaneously, is so interesting when you think about what those big trends are and the weirdness of sort of uplit, which I never quite understood as a genre. And I think it was sort of sparked off by Eleanor Oliphant It's completely fine, but when that is such a a dark and painful yeah. book in places,
2: <laughs> yeah, I. I... It's definitely not necessarily one I'd call uplit. Um, I just felt like Eleanor Oliphant was kind of in a world of its own, I mm. suppose. And there've been a few similar ones recently, um, which kind of had that type of vibe where where the main character isn't necessarily not not likeable, mm. but not necessarily someone that you would instantly warm to. Yeah. Um, and it just makes sometimes I think it just makes for far more interesting of a read, doesn't it? I think there's a big difference, isn't there, between being
1: unlikable and being flawed. Strange. And I think that <laughs> Eleanor just feel like us are most awkward. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think that that we all feel a little bit like that. And there's sort of yeah. a misfitty bit of us that just really, really responds to that much yeah. vulnerability. I think vulnerability done well is a very powerful thing. Yes,
2: it is really relatable. I've um, some of my favourite books over the last few years and obviously just because of being a new mum are um, are novels which explore the kind of darker side of motherhood so um, I'm just looking, When I Ran Away is literally about a mother who just has enough, she's exhausted, she's worn out, her husband's not kind of doing as much as he could and she just leaves him to it, just leaves him in the baby and I just there's something so relatable about it that I will pick up anything if it's in that kind of shower at the moment, because motherhood isn't all kind of, you know, peachy keen. And <laughs> I, it's...
1: The Stone Diaries is the last book I read in mm-hmm. 2020. And if I remember right, and I might not be, it begins that the heroine of that book, I believe, is her mother die in childbirth and she doesn't know she's pregnant. And it's sort of a kind of a book about being motherless and about
2: the different ways to be a mother or not. Yes, I think so, because she's taken in by another family. Mm. Um, and I think she ends up then marrying, I believe. And then there's that don't bit don't where what. she ends up like, living in like a sort of boarding house. And
1: she's sort of estranged and like, her dad is... <laughs>
2: yes is like you're the reviewer no, no, I, know. I can't no, remember no, no, that's exactly i i'm terrible as i say if i've read it more than a few days ago then i will probably have forgotten the details but i think you are onto the right one um and again yes i found that one just kind of uh, there was something about it that just pulled me in and it is because i like seeing stories where it's not a picture perfect version of motherhood um where, you know, people are fed up and they do want to walk out and go to a hotel for five nights. <laughs> because quite often I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those have been also some of my favourite kind of reads. And The Push, I don't know if um, you've read The Push at all. Oh, yes, I interviewed Ashley uh, about
1: a year ago. And yeah. that's a real, this idea of sort of, you know, dynastic evil. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think it's
2: such a... It went to dark places where I think other people are afraid to tread. But that's what I love about it. I mean, one of the biggest things that put me off having children was we need to talk about Kevin. Mm. Um, That was one of my... I know it's so unrealistic, but that was one of my biggest fears. Like, what if you give birth to a psycho? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, seeing the push, obviously, is kind of a more modern um, version Mm. of that. And I just thought it was brilliant. I
1: love that, the twisting nature of it as well, where, because it's not even... My child is evil. It's like this is not. Am I am I crazy? Am I being completely? And the way and that the tragedy of how her relationship with her husband breaks down, and Mm -hmm. he's not able to see it, and she is sort of subject to so much more in the way of that. No, it's brilliant. I can't wait to see. What she does next—that's another bit. I can't believe that was a
2: debut. So I know, and so I just intense. when I think that there are probably because obviously, the kind of social media book reviewing world is fairly small, and most people still just buy their books based on walking into a bookshop yeah. and seeing what's there and what they recognise. Child, please. Um, exactly, and I just and it just makes me sad to think how people are missing out on so many brilliant books because debut writers, to get to that stage where they are published, Mm. it has to be something generally pretty special, so I've just, I'd say I've probably read more debut writers than um, kind of well-established ones over the last few years, and I've been blown away by them. There's a
1: book that I think came out last month, um, Underbelly, by Anna Whitehouse, which is a sort of social media satire on motherhood, and I really like that, and I think lots of people have come to that subject, and I think she's really got the the subtlety of it and the darkness of it
2: absolutely I loved that one as well and it's always I'm always a bit um, kind of nervous if it's someone who's already established as something else mm. um, just like Richard Osman and Dawn French yeah. is kind of a bit like oh you know is it just are they making the most of mm. being well known for something else but uh, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. I thought Dawn French, because of you, was brilliant. And I also, if you haven't read it yet, I did also love The Thursday Medical. <laughs> no, I really did. I finally, did you? again, you I was like,
1: reading it in the in the garden. I'm the last person in the yeah. world to come to this book. But, oh, what I loved so much about it's kind of had a sort of a Jill Mansell vibe with murder as well. I wanted to live yes. in their retirement community. And people kept the sort of the cosy crime label. I'm like, cosy isn't quite right because it's quite glamorous. And, yes. oh, that to do a big spoiler, the horrible, the property developer man. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed when he got bumped off because I was so enjoying <laughs> hating him. Hating
2: yeah. him was so delicious. Exactly. And I do, I quite like, um, I think it's called Pensioners in the Pages, Um and I, I just love that new perspective. It's so nice to kind of see them in the thick of it. Um, I just, I just thought he yeah, did an absolutely brilliant job.
1: Because I think that now that image of if you got, you know, a child to draw like an old person, mm. the sort of the stereotype in the imagination just doesn't fit anymore. Like being oh. seventy or eighty now is entirely
2: different from how it was twenty exactly. or thirty years ago. Yeah, and it's lovely to see so many writers kind of putting them at centre stage and. You Know, even as someone who's obviously nowhere near there yet, it's it kind of you know shows you that oh, even in 40 years' time, I'm going to have a right old laugh and solve murders and you know, <laughs> all sorts. <laughs> so we're practicing, we're going to yeah. read all these thrillers exactly. and all these books, exactly. and we'll be and I'll be a wise and old inspector. What's that book, uh, Dangerous Women? I don't think I've heard about that. Um, so that is historical fiction again. Um, I think it's it was women yes so it was um a group of women who were convicted and sent to australia obviously so that's why i <laughs> picked ah. it up as soon as i saw australia um but it's was kind of a, a crime happens whilst they're on the ship so it's kind of like a locked room mystery but locked ship rather and um, but it's brilliant again the historical detail i just the amount of research that goes into these books just blows me away i don't i mean i I don't think I'd ever have the patience for it to be. Quite Are you honest. ever tempted? Do you have a a novel? No, I have no it, right. writer in me. No, I'm definitely just a just a reader. Um, I'm always amazed by anybody who can sit down, and because it's obviously it's such an independent kind mm. of. You know, Obviously, you know (laughs) but how you sit down and just you're the only person who can make yourself kind of focus and get on with it I suppose I I just I'm too easily distracted and flighty I don't think I'd ever manage.
1: I mean I came to it through journalism Mm. and most of my friends who write books did it that way and I think that does help but also you're used to getting a lot of feedback and people checking in and normally what you're writing is sort of 800 words long 1,500, 2,000 tops. And so having to write, say stretches like 10 20 50 000 words with no one saying if it's all
2: right and yeah. you start to feel like you're going mad exactly and i'm quite an anxious person to to begin with so i don't think that that would be a healthy situation for me i'd just be questioning myself the whole time thinking oh this is rubbish oh this is rubbish." And all that time that you spend doing it so no i'm just going to carry on reading all the good stuff that you all put out <laughs>
1: well, it's just miraculous when i think of all. i can't imagine i mean i i do imagine all other authors <laughs> in the world sit down oh i'm so good at this this is lovely I'm really relaxed and happy. And it should be like that because it is mm-hmm. playing and it is a privilege to to do it yeah, and one yeah. that I feel very, very, very lucky to do mm-hmm. at all. But I'm sure I can't be the only one who just sits down and says, oh, no, <laughs>
2: I've got to do it again. <laughs> Why? But how did you feel about your... Obviously, I've got insatiable. How did you feel about kind of that going out in the world? Because obviously it's quite sexy. Like There did, were parts no. of it where... <laughs> um, there's a scene quite early on where I
1: remember publication was sort of a couple of months away or six Mm -hmm. weeks away and I thought I I don't think I want people to read that and it's too late (laughs) and I think because I wrote in a way that was entirely you know like being underwater I wrote the whole thing without knowing if it was going to be published or anything and I think that's the only way I could have done it really Mm -hmm. and that just sort of I don't quite know how I sort of found the room to just
2: let it be. I'm um, glad you did, because I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, and I well, thought it was refreshing to have kind of a young woman who is just so, like, honest about her needs. And I mean, I think that was wants- why I
1: really wanted to do it, because I just, I wanted to see that in a book. I read lots of books where, like, women had lots of sex and it was either harrowing or them sort of being, like you know sexy and an exhibitionist but to someone have someone who's a bit vulnerable and sort of you know it's really hard I think yeah. to be a woman who's going to sort of set, you know be a, a sexual being without sort of confident be like and I'm really hot and I'm fabulous yes just sort of to be able to do that without having the confidence behind yeah. it was the that was she the, felt real Experiment. and I think oh,
2: no, she's down here. Oh. Yeah, she felt real and that was I think what made the real difference her. Oh, thank you so much
1: that is yes.
2: <laughs> lovely to hear oh, I, to I did think oh I wonder if parents read that oh no they've <laughs> been um, they've been advised okay. not, <laughs> not to not <laughs> to
1: when um uh, your daughter's a bit older mm-hmm. uh, what are you excited about reading to her and reading with her so I and now actually well, uh, what she's reading
2: really now oh gosh right now she just reads those that's not my sloth type books so <laughs> she doesn't get very far um, this is a really tricky one because you always have people on who know all of the books they read in their childhood whereas I honestly don't have the foggiest what I grew up on so I can't go and say oh I really want her to read all of these ones like I did Um I have some, because obviously I had a bit of a... Tilly wasn't such a popular name when I was growing up. There were quite a few little, like, specifically silly Tilly-type books, um, which I don't think my mum would have kept. So I think I'm just going to have to start with Harry Potter and go from there, to be honest. I'm a bit of a hopeless case.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think that's, you know, fun. I think it's interesting now that you're such a passionate and voracious reader that is sort of quite a recent thing that you can think, oh, you know, what's going to foster that love of reading? Yeah. What's, you know, what might she remember? And I think there must be, don't you there are books as well where I've just seen Such a Fun Age by Chloe Reed, which I loved so much. And also, kind of wish I'd read that when I was a teenager. I think in a, such a smart and funny and sharp way. It really, there were lots of, in terms of the way, privileges explored it sounds very dry but I'm like yes. I could have really done with that I think when I was 12 or 13 I would have loved it and it would, it would have, have been, been
2: really helpful yeah and I think that's going to be my main goal I don't have any specific books in mind but I just want her to read books which will make her realize that there are people that are different to her and that's okay and that you know everybody is different and we accept everybody for that um so I don't know like I I I still, I do actually read some teenage books and some middle grade books because they're absolutely brilliant, some of them. Um, so, Amari and, and the Night Brothers is one which um, came out this year. And I loved it. It's completely, it's escapism. It's exciting. They're kind of, the kids get all of the adventure and the fun stuff. And What's it about? Is it a series? Um, so, yes, I think it's going to be a series. So, it's, um, it's this young... Um, young girl who her brother has um kind of disappeared and then she suddenly gets a message from It uh, kind of had a bit of a like um what was the will smith film where with the aliens um, oh hey, men in black yes that's it it kind of had a bit of a men in black film ah, where, where she suddenly gets this invite to this secret academy and it's all kind of they've got superpowers and there are you know aliens and things to defeat um but again it it's a young black girl who doesn't necessarily feel like she fits in at her school and then she goes to this academy and she's kind of the absolute badass there so just things like that um oh, which, that's another book i want to read that now that sounds awesome honestly it was just it, and it's just such good fun like the the children's ones i quite often will go to that for a comfort read um because it is just all adventure and excitement and there's not as much of the kind of the darkness and the misery of some of the obviously adult books well I think
1: as well with you know (laughs) YA writers they're so smart and so good at what they do because you've got to grip you're not you know being a sort of oh I won a massive literary prize 20 years ago so Mm -hmm. I can do a sort of a blank page that just says the end question mark (laughs) she contemplated her fingernails and then there's like stares at a pond for 500 you've got to be like on 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 like because yeah young readers care about the story not like the brand of the author and i think that really shows and it yeah. makes me so happy that i think now you know speaking as a, a white woman who you know i'm in no position to sort of comment on you know things are getting better <laughs> but it does feel to me like there are i see feel like i see more stories where you can have a young black girl being the heroine and her mm-hmm. story isn't the most interesting part of the story isn't that she's a young black girl. It's no, she's in space. Or...
2: Exactly, it's that she can do magic and save the world. Um, yeah, and that's and what I loved. I very briefly worked as a bookseller, and what I loved is that all kind of types of kids were picking picking up this book. Um, whether that was a young white boy or you know it mm. didn't matter. It kind of they're not as in the same way that you know, for decades we've quite often just gone for. Well, I'm a kind of middle class white woman. I'm going to go read the book that features a middle class white woman. With the kids, they're kind of growing up with the the kind it's of. It's so true, isn't it? It works. More diverse and exciting range of books. It's really important for all kids to see themselves in books. It's also really important for kids to read, as you said,
1: about other people in exactly. other worlds.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So that's. I think that's just my biggest hope for my daughter when she, she starts reading properly is just that she's gonna explore a bit of everything and
1: can you remember i know you said it's sort of tricky but was there any any sort of you know the first adult books you read before you were fully
2: into adulthood so i i mean first of all because my mother was reading all the kind of james patterson's and things i was reading those at kind of 12 13 which obviously with hindsight there was a lot of murder and grisly stuff going on um, but also I will never remember the name of it but I do remember reading a Penny, Penny Vincenzi ah.
1: um,
2: when I was younger and um, I think that was the first time i kind of read anything to do with sex or um, or kind of masturbation or anything like that and I'm just thinking oh I'm pretty sure that my mum wouldn't have wanted me to pick this one up off her shelves but, um, so yeah that's probably the first one I can remember
1: Funny, because my aunt was having a clear out, mm. and she had a big pile of books. She's like, oh, yeah, do you want something to read? And there's I think there's lots of, like, Ken Follett and things. Yeah. And I saw the Penny Vincenzi, and it was, mm-hmm. like, a woman in, like, a very tight, sexy black dress yes. and a big hat and gold jewellery. And I was like, you I want that want one. one! It's like, exactly. maybe there's not that. i like, no, I think I'm going <laughs>
2: to... I think I had to smuggle it out of somewhere. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: So I really must... I have to say, I want to revisit those books, because the experience of reading something like that at the age of kind of 13 14 versus now as an adult just i'm just sure i missed a, a lot
1: <laughs> oh, i wonder if penny vincenzi because i know you know godress as well she mm-hmm. died very recently but mm-hmm. if she's due a reappraisal like mary wesley who i love because i think that she is possibly because of those the, the packaging of those books is mm-hmm. so of its time it's very yes. sort of dynasty-esque but I think there are I think oh. Sarah Manning friend of the podcast guest yes. of the podcast big fan Loved and ah totally oh, lovely rescue me yes, love the dog yes me
2: too I'm so <laughs>
1: excited I think her new one might be coming out in a few <gasps> months oh, and I think it's a very I think it might be set in the 80s or early 90s mm-hmm. and it's a really sort of London focused oh, romance and ah mm-hmm. oh, it just it sounds like all of my favorite all things really yes that.
2: I love that. Love, love, love the eighties, nineties kind of vibes. <laughs> um
1: are there any books that we haven't talked about that you're very keen to tell me about oh, i We've got a this is gonna be a good long book list, which delights me and um but I'm not the person who has to write the book list.
2: <laughs> um gosh, I mean I honestly have read so many brilliant books. I think one of my standouts has to be The Walking People by Mary Beth Keane. Um I don't know have you I know but Ask Again Yes was her kind of more recent one, ah. which was very popular, and then I think they they then published her previous one over here. It's about this Irish family um who who kind of go and settle over in New York and it's just a bit one of those kind of family sagas, but it's so beautifully written and just It was, again, one of those that just had me weeping because so much happens to this family. And it's just, I I just think, again, another person who just writes humans really well and just kind of gets to the core of what it is to be human. So that's probably another one which I would love to give a little honourable mention.
1: And just by (laughs) you, Megan Woolitzer and Lisa Tadeo, I am in. It sounds a bit like um, Brooklyn, which I read on holiday a few years ago Mm -hmm. and was very, like... Oh, I'm not sure I'm going to it because um maybe put off by the idea that it was like a about a young woman. And it was like, Oh, it's a man writing young woman oh, and okay. it's very like without a, a totally sort of judgmental, like, <laughs> not for me, thank you. And yeah. then ran out of books on holiday, read my friends and I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is so good. And so, and it's just I really love books and I don't quite know why, where it's just got really tiny, tiny domestic details in about yes just what people have read. That's why I love Nell Stratfield and those accounts of like, you know, spending 17 shillings on an attaché case. And um, one of the books I read in the pandemic, I love Business as Usual, which is reprinted by Handheld Press. Okay. And it's about a young girl who has a sort of gap year, her horrible, well, he's not horrible, he's just very pompous, Mm -hmm. um, fiancé up, I think they're just not far from Edinburgh. He's finishing his training to be a doctor and she's at a loose end and doesn't know what to do with herself. And she knows that before too long she's going to get swept into the world of just sort of being a, you know, upper-middle-class professional <laughs> mum. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to have an adventure, and she goes to London, and she's a bookseller for a year. She works at, like, it's not Harrods, but it's Harrods, when they had okay. a sort of lending library. Yeah. Now it reads a bit clumsily. Oh, it must be dreadful for people who are actually poor all the time. Okay, a bit like yes. common people. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think, for its time, very generous and socialist in spirit but those lovely details about how she's kind of scheming to get a pay rise and when she does what she's going to have from the canteen and all of that is just
2: delicious yeah i love the the simple kind of the daily the daily life Mm. and just the the simple things that we're all kind of going through day to day i think i just yeah i I love obviously a big kind of oh wow didn't see that coming is great but the ones which you relate to and which you remember i think Mm. are the ones that kind of focus on what it's like to just be Living this thing called life.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm currently having a reread of Diary of a Provincial Lady. I have and bought that is... on your recommendation. <laughs> oh, well, I've, it's great. And I've definitely, have read it before, but I'm enjoying it so much more okay. now. I think it's much funnier than I remember it.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I think, was it Sarah Manning as well that yes, loved it? I think fan. as soon as I heard both of you talk.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, I thought, all right, I'll buy that one as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Tilly, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being an enthusiastic reader. It has just been a joy to speak to you. I'm so happy that we've had you on the podcast. Thank
2: you very much for coming and listening to me and apologies for the croaky voice. <laughs> Huge
1: thanks to Tilly, who is a wonderful hostess. Do follow her on social media at Tilly Loves Books, where her excellent feed is filled with fabulous, thoughtful recommendations. You can follow us at WhyBooked on social media. Look out for book recommendations, words of wisdom from old guests and occasional shelfies. We love it when you share the podcast with your friends. Thank you so much everyone who's left a five star review. It helps other people to discover us and new books. You can find a list of all the books mentioned by Tilly on acast.com slash booked and check out her selection in our bookshop on bookshop.org. We'll be back soon. Listen out for guests like Ben Ockrey, Helen Oyeyemi and Dave Eggers. For now, I leave you with this from Dorothy Parker. The cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. See you next time.